Are you gonna do it? Huh? Are you doing it? Yeah. Are you doing the intro? Yeah. Go on. In. Episode thirty-one, where we talk about taking chest voice higher. Chris, here's some music from Eric R. Um, her name's not actually Erica. What is it then? Erica. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and if you, if you guys if you guys listening could just see that moment, we're just staring at each other. <laughs> I, because I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> no, it's Erica Footman. Uh, she's a. She's an interesting character, right? Uh, she does uh, teach as well. She does some great work with uh, young people on artist development and stuff like that. But she's got a brilliant music career. Uh, she's got some uh, legacy as a backing vocalist and artist, working with people like Skunk and Nancy, old school. Wow. If anybody remembers them. Um, but she's also absolutely brilliant at self-promotion. Um, oh. That song is called Fly Away. Her website is called Officially Erica, e, uh, officially E-R-I-K-A dot co dot UK. But what she does is she, she crowdfunds her tours and stuff, hmm. which is really great. So she is just wicked at getting things in place uh, herself. And then she, she'll do like a European tour. Um, crowdfund it but what she also does is she puts together the shows with uh, let's say angles you know slightly different themes like it where you know uh, the audience would participate in quite you know amusingly different experiences as part of the performance and that's all I'm going to say so okay check out our website and just go and visit one of the gigs and guaranteed it will be um, an experience. Uh, she's also facebook.com officially Erica. Check her out there. Like it. She's pretty cool, actually. Yeah, nice vibe. Nice vibe. Just on the old um, crowdfunding thing, um, if we featured Matt Butler on one of the episodes a while ago. You remember? Yes. From yeah. LA. Yeah. Um, great guy. And... We said he's like really authentic, and this is what I love about him. He's sticking up videos of him in the studio. He's just been spending the last few weeks to a month in the studio, and watching it is just so cool because I don't live that life of a rock and roll star in the studio, and you actually get Not to, now anyway. Yeah, I, you know, over that, got bored with it. <laughs> the, Overrated. Yeah, but he's he has now set up a kind of crowdfunding type thing for his the I think he's editing for his album yep um, so I just want to point some people towards that and him it's pledgemusic.com forward slash Matt Butler um, I think they actually smashed the total the target in about three days did they really but now he's stuck a, another video up saying need a car yeah and a yacht <laughs> so, so they didn't say that he said we want to do some other things <laughs> Some, some other things, air quotes. Yeah. Please give me more money. But no, he's um, 
uh, in all honesty, yeah, putting it towards the album production. Um, and he is a cool guy, and the music, I think, will be really good from what we've heard of his other stuff. It, really unique, actually, in terms of... I know it's, I know it's the, the slightly old-school um, country rock yeah. thing, but I, I, yeah, I love it, personally, so that's why I just want to point people over there. So let's get on to today's topic. Yeah, <clears throat> taking chest voice higher. Everyone wants to sing in chest voice really high. Mm. What does it even mean? That's the question. And I bet a lot of you have thought the same thing. Like, how can I get that voice high up? It's definitely a question that we hear, we hear a lot, isn't it? Yeah. And there are a ton of um, factors that confuse people. But there are also a ton of things that are going to make it work for, work for people as well. Which is why it's a confusing topic and we want to cover it today. Yeah. So it can be confusing just for a number of reasons. Like, you know, what is, we, we should really talk about what is chest voice, you know? What does it mean to be in chest per se? Then we can talk about like how, how you can facilitate the process of trying to take that voice quality higher uh, and how to train in that way, what kind of exercises we can do to actually safely bring in that quality. But we should probably talk about belting a little bit as that's probably what most people are trying to describe when they say that yeah kind of related yeah and then the dangers of it because there will be with any voice quality i guess that's on the more intense side of things there will usually be some dangers or things to consider so we'll talk about that as well yeah totally yeah but first up one one thing to say is that we're likely to set like the sentence just a sentence if you want to take chest voice higher it it makes me die a little bit inside just that one sentence because uh and i guess it's my experience of working with people and their interpretation of that and what it can actually lead to which i know we're coming to the dangers at the end but I've, i i know we're going to say that sentence probably a lot and we're going to use the term chest voice but really it can be really damaging vocally and psychologically to use any term incorrectly and uh, just the way it's perceived so for example like if I found it uh, with a lot of youngsters working with, with, uh, within the schools. You hear a term, chest voice. I know what chest voice is. It's this compressed, hard feeling. And the only thing I've got at the moment in the high notes is a soft, light thing. And I don't like to sing with that. I love how comfortable this compressed, hard feeling is in the low notes. I need to do that at the top. Problem is, is the sensations are different. We know that. The sound is different. Everything is basically different to what we're creating in the low notes. So to call it, to call it chest voice on the high notes for me can be really psychologically misleading. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know totally. I mean? yeah. And I think, well, it depends on your journey through it, doesn't it, as well? <clears throat> like... If you've been that person with really problematic chest voice, which I'm pretty sure we both have been mm. uh, over our years, you know, the resolution for uh, taking chest voice higher was to stop thinking about it. Mm. You know, it was to like stop using chest, you know, stop digging into it so much, like you say. So depending on your journey, yeah, it doesn't always serve people to think about like bring the bottom up with you. In fact, we see that as being the issue half the time. You know, I'd say, especially in pop musical, th the contemporary styles, I would say that 
that's more common than not than yeah. any, more common than anything else yeah which is why i think in the world we live in like classical might be slightly different but in the world i live in for most part of my working week uh i see it yeah massively massively confusing mm. so and maybe when you get into singing you know for instance if you hear someone speak like like this not a lot of people would hear that or see that as their chest voice until they start singing and they go yeah like that you know what i mean mm, mm. and it's almost like my chest voice is that over rich thing that i singing sing in rather than this mm. ah you know that's my chest voice exactly yeah so you know when people talk about chest voice like what level are you even talking about and when now now we're talking about it now it's just like yeah let's just let's but just forget it and let's define with all the other words that stupid words that people use but <laughs> that's for another uh, episode right now though let's define on a basic level i i guess it's good to define um the function what's actually happening when we are using quote unquote chest voice or what people feel um <clears throat> an efficient chest voice is and, and what we're actually using anatomically there um, to give us an idea of what it is and why it isn't what we just discussed. Yeah. So what would you, how would you kick that off? Well, we, we, we should start muscularly because in any, uh, if you were going to talk to a professional or an ENT or actually communicating with lots of people, you just kind of have to go like, okay, I have to accept chest voice as being out there that gray area that everyone talks about right? yeah and that you know an ent or a site you know whatever would um see that as being one mode of the voice's mechanism you know the vocal cord musculature m1 i think they call it don't yep. they yeah m1 chest voice the vocal cord is made up of three you know if we talk about three layers for now the deep the deepest layer <clears throat> the thickest part of the vocal cord is the ta muscle thyroretinoid um, which is pure muscle. Then we have on the outside of that, we have the ligament, which is ligament, uh, which makes up another part of the vocal cord. And then covering both of those is the mucosal membrane. We'll put a cross section on the show notes. Yeah, show notes. Uh, but think of it as like, think, think of it as a, the, 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 in the geography lessons when you were at school, visualize the earth and the core and the different layers going out. That's where I like to do it. I like that, mate. In my sad little... Sad little world. All right, mate. He's over there. He's in, you're enjoying yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, so that's it. So when we're talking chest voice, we're talking, um, which helps to be in obviously a part of your range, the low part of your range, you're likely to be um, dominant in tension in one of those layers. And that layer is the deep one, the TA muscle. So the TA muscle will be contracted in chest voice. And that's what this sounds like, contracted. You know, I'm in the bottom, there's that rich tone that signifies that my TA muscle is contracted. The vocal cords are kind of short. And uh, that's how we can define chest voice. In the low notes. In the low notes. But it doesn't quite work that way when you ascending pitch does it that that level of contraction cannot be maintained exactly yeah so what so how we get up high is the vocal cord gets stretched by uh, another muscle called the ct or the th cricothyroid 
which tilts a cartilage forward that the vocal cord is attached to and then we get a stretch in the vocal cord and that will increase tension in the vocal cord and then that makes the pitch raise or rise whatever you want to say um, <clears throat> but the bit that we're concerned about is um, what some people might feel is their bridge but or passaggio or break but there are resonant events and there are muscular events that all occur in a very similar place and sometimes we can see them as the same but they're actually separate but as the vocal cord gets stretched the deep layer can't remain contracted or too contracted because it won't allow itself to be stretched otherwise so we'll have a problem with range if we are too contracted i.e. too chesty so we have to consider that when we're developing high chesty notes, you know. However, if we aren't too contracted and we are that that TA muscle is moderately contracted, Ooh. thank you, then it will allow itself to be stretched and reach the given tension for high notes. But somewhere in the middle of the voice, you know, for, for tenors maybe knocking around about like F, F sharp, there comes a point where that deep layer, um, parts of it or the muscle fibers start to um, get, uh, let tension cross over to another layer in the vocal cord. And that's only because that other layer in the vocal cord is able to create or, or reach a higher tension. And that other layer is the ligament. Because it's more pliable. It's more pliable. It's more stretchy. Mm, yeah. Um, and there is a part in the middle, yeah, where tension transfers from the TA to the ligament in order for you to continue stretching the vocal cord and continue reaching the desired tension for high notes. It's a lovely explanation. Thanks, mate. No worries. And that, that's, uh, yeah, thanks to a lot of the scientists and, uh, and uh, professionals we work with over the, t over the time. We've had great explanations given to us, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, and so just to clarify, we are talking as we ascend in pitch we're looking for a consistent sound and let's always just re i think return to that thought process that although some people may feel like chest voice should be well they feel what feel you know it is what you want it to be but um some people may feel that chest voice is this overdriven compressed feeling in the high notes actually what we want is just an intense sound that is similar to the sound that is created in our low voice, in the low notes. That's what we are aiming for, whether you like it or not. How we achieve that is as we ascend in pitch, this shift of um, contraction between the TA and the ligament, a very fine balance as we ascend. Now, if we don't do that and we reach, and, and the TA is over-contracted, when we reach the bridge, passaggio, the note where things go crazy, where the TA can no longer be used in that way, um, that is where, if, if we haven't started to hand over or um, prepare, prepare, yeah. utilize the ligament, the tension in the ligament, you know what happens. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> right on. That we're letting go of that TA contraction because it literally cannot hold on to it anymore. Mm. It cannot do any more. It cannot phonate any higher than that under that amount of tension. Mm. So our job to create the consistency is to, over time, work the handoff between those two layers of the vocal cord, balancing the CT and the TA contraction. Now, you walk into a singing lesson and you go, I, 
Okay, I've listened to this podcast. <laughs> and I've got this kind of cracky thing in the middle part of my voice. I know I need to work on my TNCT uh, so that my TA can hand over to my ligament and I can get a beautiful balance of tension between the two as I send. I mean... Um, this is going to die on its ass, isn't it? This singing lesson. It's, it's hideous. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> so, it's so, like, how do I do that? And this is... I always return to this. This is why, for me, it's always reiterating that however however much we want quick fixes the fact that we cannot we don't have an on-off switch for that and you think about how slight those changes are mm. and the nuances of those movements it's a journey and yeah. we can only we can only uh, travel on that path by doing it and experiencing different things totally which is why we, we do yeah. a million different exercises to just manipulate that situation yeah because we're, we're telling everyone aren't we uh, what's happening but for some of you who are extremely analytical, right, this information is going to cripple you, right? Because you're going to try and with the power of your mind, uh, yeah. let tension transfer from muscle to ligament, right? And it's just not possible to manage it in that way, right? Because as singers, we just have to figure out with sounds how we can get that desired effect. And we monitor that by some sensation and some sound, you know? So as much as we're saying this stuff, like, don't don't take it too deeply, right? Like, we, we're going to be concerned about what sound are we making mm. and what mm. sensations are we feeling to know that tension is being managed well. And if someone's got a very, very good voice, a very connected voice with no breaks, say a male up to a high C or something like that, they may intuitively be going, well, I don't know what I'm doing, but we can all say, well, you're, you're managing tension between the TA and the ligament extremely well, you know? And that's it. That's all you can see. You can say that if you're, if you're achieving a connected voice and using exercises to do that, then the result is the tension's being managed well. Mm. You know? We can't go in there and manage it. We've got to use exercises that manage it for us in an abstract way. So I just really wanted to clear that up, yeah. like everyone, like we're telling you deep information, but yeah, you really should be concerned about what we're going to say next. Right. But equally, we've, we do, just before we go on to the tools that we'd <laughs> use to, to manage that tension, we also have to manage the, the harmonic formant relationship. Oh God. I know. We can't get away from it though, can we? We can't. And it's so interesting, guys. I can't tell you how much, like, as much as you're going to want to kick yourself in the face a hundred times looking at voice science. How good is it? It's, it's great. Uh, and, it, and it really, although I'll be honest with you at the moment, I feel like it's so new that we, we have an idea of what we can do to create real-time exercises based on that knowledge. We have an ideas. And I know there's some other great people, Ryan LeChuck, who we know, he's, he's making some developments on the singing teacher side of things because he's not a scientist. Um, but it is very new. And... Uh, and at the moment, one thing that I know people have a hard time with is getting their head around the actual science and understanding it. And secondly, it's like, how does this apply to my singing? However, we will keep on throwing in what we know along the way 
added to some exercises that will be related to that because in two to five years time I'm sure there'll be ways in which this is explained a lot easier and also exercises that are just grounding from the evidence that's been created. Yeah absolutely yeah we'll just keep peppering it in and try not to confuse the living bejesus out of you. So we're talking about I know we did an episode with Ingo Tietze and I, I can't remember how much we went into the explanation of what harmonics informants are but we have to just in this instance, take our word for it, that sound waves smash around our throat and mouth when our vocal cords come together. They collide, they interrupt the air, and as a result, these sound waves are produced, smashing around our throat and mouth. Those sound waves then emanate into the world, and then our ear, the magic of the ear, picks it up, hears it as certain sounds, certain colors of tone, and that is how we um, interpret sound from the mouth of a singer. It's what we do with our throat and mouth, that affects those sound waves and therefore affects what the, the, the listener hears. And affects how they smash around. And affects how they smash around. Good. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to get that word out. <laughs> <laughs> These things are smashing. Smashing all over the place. Chaos. Oh, smashing. Mm. Uh. So there's what the scientists call a spectrum of sound that we don't, you know, we can't see it. It's difficult to, it's difficult to visualize, but but within that spectrum of sound, there are different elements and uh, that creates the color of the tone and uh, scientists give those different elements, they give the name harmonics. Now these harmonics, these different elements of the sound spectrum are affected, as we said, by the throat and mouth. And if they're affected in a really good way, then the energy that's created from the, the vocal cords is amplified. It's just maximized if we are able to coordinate our throat and mouth in a way that helps those sound waves become energized. Yeah, which is, uh, which is what we're talking about there is just resonance, you know? Right. The relationship, the boosting of harmonics and parts of the sound wave to provide more energy. More energy, yeah. And that's it. And resonance is like a really, again, another abstract subject, but it relates to you being able to sing really high and really well. <clears throat> And really loud, and all those things. Yeah, it's it's the it's the controller of energy in the top in the in the in the in the, the high notes because uh, as we know, if we try and if we try and control intensity with anything else in the high notes, mm. i.e., getting muscle involved in order to try try and increase energy, whereas what we really need to do in short is uh, allow allow the vocal cords to do what they want what they they do by default without manipulating them and then shape our throat and mouth in a way which is going to amplify the energy when it leaves and it's a very very complex subject to talk about without going into what a harmonic is what a formant is but no, but yeah and you're right the more the more energy we have in that resonance the way that that feeds back we can talk about we can just mention the word like inertive reactance or inertance the way that cir that energy circulates, that acoustic energy, it can increase uh, uh, the closed quotient of the vocal cords, how long in each cycle that the vocal cords stay together, um, which can give the impression of chest voice. So the, the relevance of, of, of us talking about good resonance is the fact that that can make us sound like we're in chest when we're not. Hmm. It can give the perception of such power but when we are so high up and when our vocal mechanism is actually not, not mirroring a chest voice mode, 
at all. Um, so that's why we mentioned resonance. It, resonance and muscle just goes hand in hand. We can't separate them, can we? Not really. Not really. We uh, can separate them from a training point of view, <clears throat> but there's always resonant factors whilst training the muscles, and there's always muscular factors whilst training the resonance. That's it. It's, it's, like it's, it's, it's instantaneous, really. Again, we talk about an on-off switch. We can't think about this stuff. We really can't think about it in real time when we're doing the exercises because, yeah, the vocal cords come together within a, a mouse's heartbeat. <laughs> the relationship. That really is that tiny. Yeah, I always use that one. It always pops up that one. There's, something sm there's nothing smaller. Fly. Fly. Go ask a fly. Fly's heartbeat. Like that. The, the, the harmonic formant relationship, the, the, the way in which we use our throat and mouth immediately affects how the chords are working. Yeah. So, uh, again, really in-depth subject. We won't, we won't stay in it any longer because it's just a, it's just a pain in the arse to explain. Mm, really. It is. That's why we put together a day workshop for it and did that in Southampton recently. Yeah. We got a couple more of those. But take our word for it. Vocal cords make sound waves. Then how we manipulate our throat and mouth will have a massive effect on how intense our high notes are. Yeah, and, and the perception of, is it chest high up? Yeah. You know? Yeah, massively. But we obviously want to give you some ideas of how to train for this. Now, I think if we go if we go back to sort of the remedial stuff, which is, you know, tension, extrinsic muscle tension, the outside muscles, if they are too present in singing, all of this is just going to be just a massive pain in the ass. Right. So we could say that your main job is to is to make sure that you're not singing with a great deal of extent, external tension in the voice. We're talking jaw, tongue, we're talking uh, chest, you know, the neck muscles, the strap muscles. It will be, it will be evident from the amount of uh, veins that are sticking out of your eyeball mm. uh, that this is going on, potentially. But you may find that just using some exercises that are specifically designed to uh, reduce tension... Uh, or encourage resonance to move away from your chest voice sooner. We're talking sounds that are like, like, woof, 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 like those mm. kind of sounds, or even like, nay, 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 those sort of things, really twangy or really dark. They can often have an instantaneous effect of allowing somebody to balance tension in their vocal cords correctly between the TA and the ligament, it just happens when they're in that spot. And hence, their vocal cord will let itself be stretched higher and higher and higher. And then instantly you get a situation where your chest voice appears to extend into the next room, which is really, really cool. So that could be the first port of call for you guys, is that maybe singing in one of these voices, or this voice, just to experiment, does that help you bring in or maintain what seems to be like your chest voice higher up with a lot less strain. Yeah, and I think just to chime in there, the the problem that a lot of people have, especially guys when when first adopting those postures and sounds, is that it goes to this this light, um, soft voice in the in the upper register, and um, and it's so far away, and and especially those guys or girls that feel like they can sing just about high enough with the original hard overdriven way you know what i'm saying so like, like shoving it up there yeah shoving up. There. i can get these notes i can get them 
but are they sustainable? Uh, do you feel okay after a night of singing with them? And, and the point is, is that that's what we're talking about. It's like, we know you can probably get them, but you have to live in this other area. You have to allow this new experience to happen over and over again. Uh, although it may not be the feeling that you really like or can even relate to at the moment as a, as a, as a sound that you would use to sing, please just, uh, can I plead anymore? Take our word for it that. Get on your knees. No one can see that. Get on your knees. All right, if I don't get on my knees, but I say I'm on my knees. Hang on, wait there. Please, I'm on my knees. He's on his knees. Please. Please take our word for he's it. He's crying as well. I mean... He's crying his eyes out. Just... Oh, he's all right. He's stop. All right. He's all right. Stop. Just stop, everyone. Stop. Stop with your chest. Stop with the yelling. God's sake. You're going to reap the reward. That's what I'm saying. That's uh, what I'm saying. But, I... No, you do make an important point, though, is that, you know, you may be able to do it that night, but um, the shoving chest up there works for people who sing, like, once a week. <laughs> But when you sing five times a week or six times a week, you soon notice, like, oh, God, this is not sustainable. Yeah. It's really tiring. And think There's not enough time to recover. Sorry, I'm just jumping all over you there. The, th because that exact point, think about it. Why, 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 why would we want to do that even though we can make them? Why would we want to jump out of that feeling? And it's, if we think back to what you said at the start about the, the muscle tension, what's happening there? If we are yelling it and making the notes, that TA is being used beyond its means with more airflow than is needed. And, and unless we, we disengage or... Uh, or um, relax. Re relax. I mean, it's even like disassociate ourselves with that feeling. Um, meaning that we have to accept it's going to be an entirely different feeling on those pitches because we need to use a TA in a way that it's not currently being used. So it's going to feel really different um, because of that. Absolutely. And, and it, because you want to feel different, like with, with voice training, we have to get a bit more exaggerated, don't we? Yeah. And when you're, when you're embracing a lighter feeling, somebody who's really, really in touch with their voice might just be able, be able to back off a little bit, embrace a lighter feeling, and then generate this, the exact effect that everyone's looking for, which is like a strong middle voice that lifts up there is really powerful, or even a belt, you know, even whatever. But that's not common. What people are usually having to um, go down the route of, and certainly we've done this in the past, is to embrace that lighter feeling in its more exaggerated uh, form, which is like, let yourself flip. Mm. Because if we're talking about tension uh, in the vocal cords, if we don't let ourselves flip and we do this, uh, if we do that, we are, we are keeping tension in that deep layer, right? Through, through using that sound. If we want tension to transfer out of that layer and we want to be extremely um, exaggerated about that, we would be like this. Uh, we would be letting all of the tension leave the deep layer and go on to the outer layers, right? And then we get used to uh, kind of starting in the bottom layer where, or starting with some TA contraction. So you've got some what seems like chest voice in there, but towards the break, you allow that snap to happen. Uh, that's all right. Because the ligament is taken over there. Yes. And um, it's starting to encourage that to become more present. That's right. But it's, but it's almost like one switches to the other, but at least it's at the right time. Right. And at least 
it's without straining before it happens. And for us, that is absolutely crucial to uh, developing a strong middle voice and upper voice. Because even though that switch from one to the other is happening, in, in, a, in a much more subtle way, that will be happening when you're loud as well. But the tension distribution between those two layers will be just of a different mixture. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm, mm. Um, so we first have to get comfortable, like you said, with letting go of that bottom sound and working towards uh, the top voice. And the, great link. Because you may even ask yourself why you know, your, your vocal coach is saying to you, <clears throat> jumping from the top on exercises, for example, you know, um, wee, 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 or that kind of thing to begin with. And you're like, really? Oh, so far away from singing. But again, think about it. What it's doing is giving your vocal mechanism the experience that it doesn't usually experience on those pitches. And you may need to be taken to a pitch that your TA muscle has no association with. Yeah. Keep it, it out of the, keep it out of the danger zone. Right. Right. So and this is why for me personally, when I'm working with uh, guys or girls who, who are really heavy in the bottom, it's like, that's the first thing I would, one of the first things I'll do is just get up there, live in the top. And I, you know, I often started with, start the lesson with, stick with me for five minutes. <laughs> you, you know, bear with this. Bear with it. Yeah. And we can do some fun stuff in a second, you know, but, um, or stuff that you're going to relate to more, but really, um, it's a way forward. Yeah. Way forward. And that could be for some people. Like you said, that could be within the course of a lesson or one hour training, you may spend uh, 60% of your time like trying to get above, trying to let go of bottom and then building into it. However, some more extreme cases, and extreme is a bad word because it's actually really common. Some people actually need to spend all of their time in that light place and then build into it a couple days later a week later, two weeks later, you know? So depending on your needs and your current situation, who knows how long you're gonna be able, you're gonna have to stay uh, away from uh, yanking your chest voice up, but you can just test it out. Mm. You, know, you, you can do the vocal sound check as, uh, as one of a teacher we met likes to call it, um, and see if your voice is actually more able to deal with tension in your vocal cords that way. That's right, again, it's, it's, it's dependent on the person, isn't it? Because again, there's, there's people that, when you, as a teacher judging on an exercise for example if we are working down f from somewhere up high just pick any note you know like uh you might hear that sometimes yes and i'm judging it immediately i'm like okay how much did you how how much control did you have over that um, if for me, if that was a just inst instinct, and in, you almost, for want of a better word, clunked into that TA contraction, then I'm actually more interested in the fact that you had no control over that. Yeah. And so I'm I'll rewind. Okay, let's step back. Bring the volume down so that you can maintain the same situation you had at the. Uh, yeah, the high notes, and then you're just keeping, like we say, that we're, we're often talking about high notes, we're talking about the tension transferring to the ligament, but what you're demonstrating is the tension tra transferring back from the ligament too soon, too soon, or with just too much um, activity in the vocal muscles, and we'll all be um, 
sympathetic of that situation. Yeah. You know, and that's where some people might, like you say, bring your head voice down with you. It's okay to do that in the short term. Mm. Just to see when, Whoa, when does your chest voice just arrive without there being, ah, uh, mm. on the way in. You know what I mean? And mm. that's, that's important to experiment with that, isn't and it? And try that. Try it yourselves. Yeah. Neil Buchanan. Try it yourselves. Just do that. Just try it. And see where if you get a clunk. Mm. You yeah. See if you get it. See, see where you're at. Yeah. Not saying you're right or wrong or if you're bad or good or, you know, if you... You should stop singing now. Yeah. Not saying that. No, Just if, saying, if, you, if you did get that tweak in there, you are rubbish. Stop. Stop it. Give up. You shouldn't be performing. Just joking, guys. Just hey, joking. Friends. So, look, we've banged on about an, that enough, right? Which is, yeah, you know, allow the transition first. All these high notes start with, like we said, embracing somewhere you're not used to. That's fine. But now, we, now we're looking into, like, where are we at, right? There's not a lot of external tension, we're all right we're flipping to our head voice right now we're in a perfect position to go okay like let's build into this let's go for this let's uh create a situation whereby the the ta muscle the deep layer is involved that's what gives us our richness the ligament is involved that's what that's what allows uh us to um ascend through the crack you know and the fact that the TA is involved but not over-contracted means it, that process of tension balancing between those two layers will be facilitated. How do we get towards that? Well, from, from recent research, one of the most effective start points is to phonate through occluded exercises or occlusions like a straw, which we have here. So singing through a straw is a, is a great way to do that with sirens, with um, uh, accents or hills. So siren being, you know, up, down, to the top and back again. Uh, hills. Again, what you're doing, you're just experiencing different pitches. Yep. With experience different different pitching, yeah, and using partly, you know, aerodynamics help this process and acoustic energy trapped by your closed mouth also help this process. Uh, all of that can assist in creating the best situation and tension management in the vocal cords. And then we're going up to the high notes to try and get the voice to feel like it's one voice. There's no switch needed, there's no drastic thing needed, and it takes a little bit of time for that to sit well in singers. But the idea is to sing with what's known as forte or a fairly strong volume into the straw. So we're not just, oh, we're not just here doing that through the straw. It needs to be, you know, of a strong phonation to make sure that all fibers in the vocal cords are being used and that the acoustic energy in the, in the system is high. And whenever the acoustic energy is high, it means that the, uh, the support for the vocal cords wave and con continued oscillation will be of uh, utmost support. Now, a, a caveat on that, on the being full on, we also know that everyone's going to be a different, a different place, mm -hmm. right? And just so you know, listeners, Chris and I are working on, a, on our interpretation and uh, 
workout regime for straws uh, and how we can best um, make the most out of them. But just just be aware again that when you first start with this blowing through the straw thing, that you're going to be in a different place than everyone else. And you may still get clunkiness. You may still get um, a light a light feeling in the top and wh why because we don't have an on off switch it's not like putting the straw in the mouth and oh look i'm lined up my vocal tract and mouth are lined up to fully maximize the energy that's created from a beautifully balanced ta and ct doesn't happen that way so you, depending on where you're at you may feel clunkiness but what you'll find three to four five blows through is that it starts, even if it's just by a small bit, you'll start to feel a little more consistency just from those few times over the days, weeks, months, just from the, the power, by the power of science, it starts to become <laughs> even more consistent. And stand there with your hand in the air like a preacher. By the power of science. Can I get a witness, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's true. Totally. It's true. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, de deal with the straw, the cracks go away. So the straw can help us to get that as a muscle memory um, and often singing off the back of the straw, one would feel the benefits that it gives people after a couple of minutes of straw phonation of what it feels like to sing with balanced tension in the vocal cords. Mm. As in when tension is balanced, the vocal cords stretch from bottom to top and you don't feel jack. You don't feel anything. You don't feel the tension transfer. You know, it just feels like nothing because tension is balancing all the time and when it's happening well, you don't really feel that much. Then you're open to feel actually the resonance um, or the resonance sensations that happen instead. Efficiently. Efficiently, yeah. 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 And, and, and that's a great point as well that when working with singers, I like to head towards just a nice place when it feels comfortable, especially for singers that don't feel comfortable for the most part of their singing experience. So even if it's just a nice feeling to begin with, with the straw, vibrato comes in and then obviously open the mouth and the sound isn't close to what they want to be using in their contemporary style. Uh, but at least we can start to uh, create a relationship with, oh, no, I get it. That feels nice. It feels like I'm using my instrument in an, in an efficient way. It may not be, it may not be developed yet meaning we may not have created the balance between the ta and the ct and the ligament but but the, it's the start of the journey so at least i can feel what it's going to be uh, in a, uh, a, a sense of what it's going to be like in the future yeah and the sensation wise like you say you know the singing high up with power and chest like quality doesn't necessarily feel like an effort in fact some people are so shocked about how much like head voice it actually feels mm -hmm. Because it's not a strenuous thing to do it well, especially if we're talking, you know, certain productions like what people might perceive as mixed voice, you know. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got the straw phonation as a help for that. We've got um, a friend. So occluded exercises that could include, by the way, lip trills, tongue trills, not as effective. No. Either bilabial stuff, which is like it's like singing into your cheeks when like you had a straw there but you'd not got a straw there you know blocking the lips they all will help with this um to stretch up but momentary occlusions are consonants hmm. so we can use consonants as step by step or moment by moment reminders for the vocal cords to coordinate themselves 
in the manner that we want. So using consonants wisely will really help us to reinforce that brilliant situation on the vocal cords. So we're talking like if you're going to have a scale and you're having a bit of trouble going, ah, you know what I mean? Yeah. You might need ma, 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 to try and every step of the way remind your vocal cords to balance tension properly, to not let anyone overtake. And yeah. consonants just do that for you. Yep, yep. They're really, really interesting. So, de and depending on the consonant, the more plosive consonants can have a sometimes greater intensity effect. And the more aspirate or the more, uh, or the less aggressive the consonant, like w or v, they can have a, a slightly more uh, refined effect on the vocal cords, not so in, not so intense. Yeah, and and, and for every reason, again, like you said, it's it's everything is interrelated, but the. Uh, the vocal they help us the interruption of air helps us coordinate the the, the chords a little more but also as we know uh, consonants have that effect on the on for those geeks you know lowering the first formant in which case we disengage from that experience of of um or the the second harmonic first formant relationship yeah um which again we won't go into we you know the those who know about it cool those who don't know about it don't worry about it but but just always want to just throw in the reasons behind why these tools that people have been using for years work. Yeah, yeah. And if we, you know, we can summarize, I guess, that formant harmonic relationship you're talking about is just facilitating a movement of resonance, facilitating what might be perceived as like the next register, you know, the movement through the middle and to not yank your chest voice up, you know. It's partly muscular, but it's partly making sure that the larynx doesn't raise uncontrollably. Mm-hmm allowing you to lift into the next room, whatever that might be. And yeah, consonants just help you with that, don't they? Mm. Very slightly, again, the extreme of that is, ooh, but then the consonant for those who have been living, as you say, in a, in a, in a place which is, I guess you could say, slightly more efficient, the, the small change that a consonant will make can just be enough. And that's a good point, actually. You know, when, you, when you're speaking, when I've been speaking to singers and you go from, okay, um, up in the... One, 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 that kind of thing. And then I say, okay, let's, let's introduce a G, the experience of a G to, to see if we can increase intensity, all the things we just spoke about. And then often singers may overdo it because it's a G. Gug, 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 gug. Same attitude as the, we just gave me before. Don't increase the airflow. One, one, go, 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 go. It's the, the small, the small change from the introduction of that G is enough. We don't have to get our whole body involved in it. No, right? that's right. We, we're relying on what that tool gives us and not trying to go, okay, chest, I'm going to put it in myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like... It's, I know what he wants. Yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Ah! Like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly that. Try, you know, sometimes you do just need to go like, go on, smash it. You know, some singers are really, really doing well. It's like, go on, smash it. A bit like what you just did when it was incorrect. Mm -hmm. But we get a different result. But the truth is a lot of singers who are training this won't get that result. And we should just try for the most part to rely on, yeah, those tools to bring in that quality. Mm. Absolutely. So the next phase, if we are all happy with... We're happy with where we're at there. What, what would be the 
I guess, one of the last things in this section that we would use? Well, we could, um, yeah, the, the thing I guess we both agreed on was um, that then we can look towards if we're okay, if we're doing well with the straw, we're balancing tension well, we're using consonants to reinforce the transition and, and uh, we're getting from the bottom to the top with very little strain, then we are open to use uh, sort of straight up vowel sounds to start building some intensity into that. And the way that resonance works, the way that um, resonance and harmonics work is that if we choose vowel sounds that are quite open, like ah, like ah, or, you know, even adjust other vowels so that they actually have more of that shape, then we will bring into play this relationship that resonance has with muscle in that if we give boost to some of the some of the louder or brighter parts of the sound wave that that can have a, an energy feedback on the vocal cords and it can increase the chord closure the closed quotient and the activity of the TA muscle which is what we want more of if we're going to sound louder or even belty up top but we want to bring it in in like a nifty sort of harmonic way rather than with pure muscle effort you know like we keep talking about so we can look at yeah straight vowel sounds and when we're talking about trying to get up into the top voice without straining quickly we'll choose scales that are really long like two octaves or an octave and a half but when we want to safely start building in a bit more intensity, we'll choose much shorter scales, like octaves or five-tone scales. So we would do something like, ah, you know, or ah, that kind of thing. Wide vowel, open, ah. Really short intervals so that you can start trying to maintain some of that quality high up and seeing how you feel on that level so, yeah so what you're saying just to summarize is that we're using the the the, the shape of the vocal tract the, the throat and the mouth in order to as we said we're in a place where we are able to do that now the, the the chords are in a good place to to amplify or maximize the energy that's being produced there but we can only really do that if things are in place beforehand yeah i mean we can have a go but that's when we're in the best situation that everything's set for us to just make these small changes with our lips our tongue our mouth and those shapes make a massive difference to what happens absolutely now and you, you mentioned there about the wide wider mouth as we go higher again that worked very much against some of the well a myth in the in the industry which is that we need to close close down as we go higher um, and and that is that's the truth, isn't it? That we 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 have lived it, and we've ex we've experienced uh, techniques that that uh, use that method of as you work up ascending pitch that the uh, we work more towards the closed lips. Um, uh sound is also yeah really low used. larynx for instance really low larynx, but but um and that's great that's great especially early on to to work through that but we know that as we start to work higher that yeah in order to become the most efficient singer that uh that situation has to change mm. and i think it goes that way just because like i'm not trying to i'm not trying to rubbish anyone's efforts right i'm mm. really not but We'll, we'll see this and, and how much effort and training it takes to get good, right? It's a lot. Mm. And these myths live on just because 
lots of people have a lot of trouble with their voice and don't necessarily spend sort of seven or eight years training every day to get rid of that problem. Mm, yeah. So they'll always maybe perceive their voice as being closed on the top because, because they never really dealt with tension. You know what I mean? They never really dealt with the problem behind the lips. They're just using a closed vowel to try and offset the problem when there might be better ways to do it. But once you get out the other side of, of all that strain and all those problems, then you start to employ techniques that somebody would have said, don't do that. No, don't smash it. Don't raise your larynx. Don't open your mouth. But we know that actually that's not right. When, you, when you're able to manage your voice well, all those things are open to you and in fact will benefit you more and you'll become more efficient by actually looking at sort of a few more naughty things, hmm. which, is, which is cool. And that's how we can get onto like mix versus belt maybe because, you know, if we're looking at um, creating a mixed voice, you know, mixed voice is just another one of those terms, but, you know, it has a particular sound and harmonically it has a particular order and in the vocal cords it has a particular setting um, but we can't manage all of those. What we can just do is like train our vocal cords well so that they will deal with these changes and then create the shape that we know is going to provide us with the right setting behind the lips. That's just vowel. We're just saying sing this vowel in this way and it will be more of a mixed tone. Right. You know, like, uh, like O, like if we took the vowel O, which is quite closed. But it's quite, it's like uh behind the lips. The tongue is kind of back and down. The larynx is a little lower. The throat is kind of, you know, spacious. And generally there's quite a lot of space in that, which is what we want for good intensity. But the lips are slightly rounded. So we would get that slightly more darker, like, oh, you know, that's like, that's high. I mean, that must be like knocking around an A or yeah, something, yeah. right? But that would sound like chest voice high up. Oh! Hmm. What does it feel like? Well, it fi it feels just like head. Just feels like just like head voice, right? But then I've spent a lot of years doing that. By the way, I don't really care what it feels like because it means nothing. Yeah, to yeah, me. it's like well, it means everything <laughs> to me. So, you know, right. um, but that's uh, but that slightly closed mouth shape is, is what brings the energy uh, to your voice in a different order. It will it will ignite different parts of the sound wave, which will actually ignite different parts of the vocal mechanism and the musculature. Feedback. Yeah. Feedback, yeah. It's all, it's all this interlinking of muscle and, uh, and resonance. And then to keep, that, to keep that lip position as you go like, to like across all vowels, mm. then you'll remain in that voice quality, you know? Yeah. And that's what we can see as being like, if you're looking for a strong quality, what are you looking for? Because if you if you added if I added more airflow to that, it would get even louder, right? And someone might go, "Wow, you really belted that." And it's like, well, yeah. I don't want to be a Hitler about technique, but I actually didn't. But who gives a shit what I did? Yeah, it just got more intense. Yeah, it got more intense. And who gives a shit if I'm not truly belting it or not? Right, which is what some teachers are like. Like that's not technically a belt, so it's almost like they'd shake their head and just think you're a dickhead. Mm. And equally, on the other flip side is when when singers can be caught up in, yeah, but I, I can I can do it in a mix, but I don't want to do it in a mix. I want it to be like a belt. I want it to be harder than a mix. 
oh, okay, where do I start? Do, 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 do you know what I mean? Because yeah. what we're talking about is, I, I literally think, and I don't, I don't want to feel like I'm getting aggressive, like even passively. I but, just started swearing, so I'm pretty sure, <laughs> I know. Pretty sure I lost because it. Because everyone's experiencing this on their own journey, and it's beautiful. But um, it just, I think our beef is with semantics. Yeah, 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 exactly. And labels, you know, and, and that, that, that's the thing. And it, I just wish that we just wouldn't use words because if a singer came to me and was like, um, I can kind of sing strong at the top, but it isn't as strong as I'd like it. Can I sing stronger, please? Yeah, yes, you can. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, you can. Yeah. Do you, and, and instead of, instead of having to think, how do I unravel the psychology behind what you, th- that you think mix is bad? when you, you, it may, it, it's actually just the fact that you, you haven't got as much balance at chord level as you'd like, haven't quite manipulated the vowel enough, your vocal tract enough in order to maximise that energy. That's what we're talking about. Like, we don't have to worry about jumping out of one word to another word. Yeah, otherwise you'll be, you'll be searching for this big shift yeah. that just isn't going to happen. Right. It's going to feel largely the same, but it's going to be maybe, you know, like a, you might be working a little harder against that. It might have a different sensation, but it's still going to feel like the same ballpark, isn't it? Exactly. Even yeah. though it has a completely different name. Which, which will lead you down that garden path. And that's a beautiful way to, if, if we can maximise that energy enough, that's the great way that musical theatre scenes can go into an audition with an MD going, yeah, I need that belt. And you can, if you're savvy enough to manipulate that vowel enough to get enough energy, you can be like, uh, you can be producing a sound that the MD is going to like, but you walk out the back end of that audition just like, didn't even affect me. Yeah. Didn't touch me. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Right, right. And, because and, yeah. The, for the same reason that we want to eradicate labels without being condescending in any, any way, everyone's got their own abilities and skills and, and different levels. Some MDs would be brilliant on vocal technique, but we know that some don't know the difference between the anatomical definition of belt and mix. Yeah. So you can just produce an intense sound in it, whichever way you want to do it, I would choose an efficient, easy way if it was my choice, and then they're going to like it anyway. So, um, so that's another great reason to really work into everything we spoke about in this episode. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, you know that to sing to sing like belt for for a definition. Like, if you're going to belt a note, like belting is essentially delaying the transition from from one, one resonant uh, area to another. It's like saying like you're gonna delay your chest voice, you know, you're, you're gonna, if you raise your larynx as high as it will go, parts of the sound wave won't leave that, the throat's area of resonance, if you like, until much later in the range, much higher. And that's what we can say is actually when specific harmonics, the second harmonic in the series, if you're interested people, if that harmonic remains in the first area of resonance, the first formant, or in the throat, Oof. and we do that by raising the larynx as we go up in pitch, we, remain, we keep that relationship, we keep the resonance in the throat, if we're skillful enough, that won't kick our ass. If we've trained enough with top voice and everything, we, that won't kick our ass, but that has a very particular sound um, which some people find desirable. But the thing is, the reason why belt is so difficult is because whenever you reinforce the sound wave like that, 
you reinforce the chord closure through resonance power and you, that that will mean that airflow might have to just like press against that a bit harder you know that the amplitude of the vibrations of the vocal cord will be that little bit bigger and every time you get into that world you could cost your voice more and it's momentarily that, that inc the increase in air pressure air flow and uh, and closure it's moment momentary isn't it yeah uh, and as you say it needs to be momentary and so we have to and we, how do you become aware? You can't become aware of it when it happens that quickly. You know, is that increase, and then, oh, look, I've held on to that increase for too long. Yeah. Because I haven't done it enough, or I haven't experienced this feeling enough. It's going to happen, which is why it's so dangerous. That's right. Yeah, and, and you know, like, to go deeper into what you're saying, it's, it's the onset of the note. We initiate, we initiate with muscle and air. Hmm. But the sustaining of the note, we use resonance to do that. That's why we almost like begin the note and then just let go and then just let everything do it for us. But the thing is, yeah, you're, you're describing people don't let go. People don't rely on the resonance to just do that for them. But the people that do sing with such ease and such power. Um, but we do, I've got an audio example of, uh, I was messing around with a mix to a belt sound the other day in preparation for this. Um, and this particular uh, recording is me going from, I think it's an A to a B4, A4 to B4, which, and B4 is about, about as high as I could safely belt at that moment. And the first note is, is more like in a, a, a mixed voice, if you like. It's not particularly belty, and my larynx isn't particularly high. I'm not trying to delay any movement or delay any transition. I'm actually trying to be... Um, uh, balanced and easy but for the high note I jack up my larynx I open my mouth as far as it will go and I try and generate a relationship between my throat and this and the part of the sound wave that's currently in there that will make me sound like I'm belting nice and it's it sounds like this Stages. and that's just a lyric from Donny Hathaway's a song for you right the stages. I've acted out my life on stages. It's that right, one, right? right. Uh, but the stay has got vibrato, and it's you know it's not particularly belty. It's not. It's more like in a mixed configuration, whatever. But however, I have to change my shape massively. Mm. I have to go to an air like that, right? Mouth opens, air. larynx rises. Yeah, jack it up because I want to switch the energy from one part of the sound wave to another. And I get that re that result. And I'm just interested. You know, we we talked about the management of the chord closure at that moment when we belt. The, the, you know, we know it's going to increase. The, the air pressure is going to increase as is the chord closure. We know that's going to happen, and that we have to drop off that. And as a matter of fact, the airflow has to decrease. Yeah, because right. the the, uh, the vocal cords kind of they shut for longer. So the subglottal pressure rises just that little bit more because they're shut longer. Yep. But the amount, because the vocal cords just open for a short time in a belt, the flow is decreased. You know, the amount of airflow that comes through the cords as a measurement actually has to decrease. Yeah. So, so we don't want to put too much pressure behind our voice. We don't want to think about really driving airflow at a belt voice because we don't want to increase flow. Yeah, 
We don't want that flow to be coming through because if it does, it will increase the amount of time the vocal cords are open, letting air flow through, and we'll actually lose our belty quality and we'll lose our, uh, yeah, we'll lose the right tone. So, yeah, subglottal pressure rises just because the cord closure increases, yeah. you know? Yeah. But the flow, the amount of air coming through decreases, and that's why uh, it said that we need, the f we need the smallest amount of air coming through for the loudest sound. Yeah, as you said there, like the, the subglottal pressure increases and the, the airflow should decrease at that moment in time. And it's just wondering whether you really thought about that at that moment in time when you absolutely were- Absolutely not, absolutely not. Yeah, and if I was gonna say the sensations, right? I didn't think about the stage. I yeah. didn't think about that one, right? I was concerned about working on the vowel of the S stage, yes. Yeah. And the thing is about that is that I measured this and I measured my second harmonic on that pitch and it was spiked above all of the other harmonics. So I know that that is a technical belt sound, right? I know there's a relationship and I've got the relationship bang on, right? Um, however, because there's so much energy in that one harmonic, there's so much energy in the sound wave at that moment that the amount of uh, support my vocal cords will get from resonance will be huge. Hence why I sang that about 15 times, right? Over and over again to do it. Yeah. And I was not hoarse. I was not worried. Because again, if I did that whole, I created the right environment and I just sat back. Beautiful. I didn't stuff air at it. I had to really concentrate, don't get me wrong. On my mind, that was like, right. That was, that's about the highest I can belt without, without things just going into the next room and me just flipping, right? That's the extent of my belt, but I was just thinking, relax. relax. Let the resonance do all the work, and I don't need to grind anything. And so as a, for the listeners, if, if there's ever a moment where you feel like you have to go and belt, or you want that, that belty sound, and, and you feel like you're working for it, basically what they're saying is that you shouldn't have to work for it. No, especially not in, on the voice. Mm. You know, Like I said, it can drain your mind. Oh, yeah. It can drain your body a little bit to create such a high larynx, but um, in general, yeah, like you say, you're not pushing on your voice. It does not work that way. And so, we have to talk about the dangers. The vocal muscles, they're still muscles. They still get tired. If you're using your chest voice, or at least trying to develop that quality or that muscle fiber in the TA, if you're trying to bring that into the top, you know, training on those wide vowels, like we said, or whatever, that can bring in more activity in that muscle, which can eventually make the top richer when you sing on other things, which is really, really cool. And if you're doing a great job, then it will balance itself out and you just have a richer voice. But um, the more contraction there is in a muscle, the more tired it's going to get. Mm -hmm. So be aware that if you're singing chesty all the time and you're getting up there, you might not be hurting yourself, but you could easily be getting tired quicker. And equally, we said it's a balance between the muscles, the ligament, the, the TA. And, and we, you could be in a situation where uh, things are feeling pretty good. They're feeling better than they ever have in the upper register. And, um, and you're experiencing this new feeling. But it doesn't mean to say that, again, it's, and there's an off switch. There may be moments within that particular phrase or song or exercise that you're doing that we are actually engaging an incorrect balance at that moment which again isn't going to um, facilitate complete ease mm -hmm. and therefore 
on that particular note at that particular time, there could be some um, uh, some fatigue yep. produced from getting it slightly quote unquote incorrect at that moment in time. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's just like yeah, missing the target that one time. Yeah, exactly. That might cost you that little bit at that moment. But we get good at managing those uh, situations, don't we? We get good at making sure that they happen Less. just kind of here and there. Yeah. But the more frequently they happen, yeah, the, the sooner you'll have to take a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but singing is a very inefficient exercise anyway, you know. Like our, our system isn't built up to be very efficient even when it's at its best. Right. So we have to be aware that you just can't belt shit out all the time. You've, you've, got, to, you've got to consider how much uh, energy you have and how much your vocal cords can handle. But again, yeah, experimenting with chest voice, if you push air at it as well, if you really start fighting for that chest voice um, or that quality high up, then your vocal cords could collide too hard when they vibrate. Hence, we'll get more fatigue, but the sort of fatigue that lasts a long time, that affects the vocal layers, that creates nodules, that could lead to a vocal injury. Right. So we have to really, really take frequent breaks and work on these kind of things, you know, in small amounts to try and understand them, to try and log the feelings and be aware of what's happening and not do it for like a straight hour. Mm. Just like mess around with it, you know, like we said, it's mostly about flipping in the first place, isn't it? Right, right. And then building into that. Yeah, because this all comes down to where you want to take your voice, really. If, if you, you know, clearly if everyone's happy doing what you're doing at the moment, then keep doing it, right? Um, but if you, if you really want to master the art, um, this is really where, the, where this is going. And, and with that, uh, taking on board all of these steps and all of these factors, um, you have, we, we kind of have to uh, if you want to take your voice onto the next level. Um, and that's why can be a bit daunting sometimes. You know, and especially with singers that come in and they want to sing a song that's a song by their favourite artist, Beyonce, let's use an example, whoever, and there's a high note in there that is, that's a one note or two notes of the song they just cannot. And I always just want to say, don't worry about it, there's a reason for it, but that, is en- that moment is enough for that song to be hated. Uh. I'm not singing it again, no, I'm not singing, I can't, there's no point, I can't sing it. So bad relationship with the number, isn't it? Right, right. You, you get that so I've had that. I've got a nemesis yeah. tune, yeah. Yeah, and then and it's understandable, but it's also I would just wish we could have a bit more um, awareness of there's a reason for it, and uh, one day we'll be able to sing this note if we work it in a systematic systematic way. And one of the ways, aside from everything we've mentioned, is that okay, that note's on a C sharp, a, a D five. Um, you may want to experience the balance of vocal cord, uh, the, the balance between the TA, CT, ligament, the, the balance between the harmonics, the, the shape of the, the vocal tract. You want to feel that experience four notes down because it's not so much of a change from what you're already used to. And then we work next week, work up a pitch or, you know, it's just experiencing the feeling, but right at that moment in time, yeah, that note might be something your body has no idea how to create. Yeah. So just... I, I love that subject, the whole conception. Yeah. Like if, if, like when I first worked on Bell, I just didn't even know what it should feel like until obviously someone manipulated my voice to be in that spot mm. and I first experienced it. And uh, you can't just click your fingers and say, smash it, here's the sound, go for it. 
because there's no conception of what that is. You cannot step into the unknown like that in singing. It's absolutely impossible. You need to create the environment, don't you? Yep. Need to create the like. What does this even feel like? Yeah. Some people, you know, you see it. Don't you just love it when they go? They go to sing it. Yeah. They go to sing it, and you just think their mind is compiling a picture of like, what am I even doing? Like, yeah. I don't even even know what this is. It's like it might as well be an alien. Yeah. For all I know, I don't even know what this is. Is this a flower? It's like it's like trying to understand the meaning of life. Yeah. Just can't do it. And yeah. then suddenly, yeah, you like you like you just uh, mentioned. You can gradually walk towards that feeling and experience it in little parts as it happens rather than in its absolute finished plop out your mouth version. Just not possible, is it, half the time? Unless you're really lucky. Yeah, some people are one off, two off, and then get it right. It's like, wow, I did that. Like who it is. It might not happen again next time. Yeah, because experiencing it once, you have not conceived it yet. Sure. You've arrived there, but if you hit it over and over and over and over again, you can intrinsically understand what that is. And then when you go right to a note, whatever note it is, you just bam, right in there. But oh my God, the familiarity with that has to be massive. Yeah, yeah. So in a nutshell then. Was that, that was a massive fat nutshell. I think this is, um, just saying, I think this is our longest ever. Is it? Yeah. What's the what's the? Uh, it. I don't I don't know really, mate. To be honest with you, especially after the edit, oh, we're on an hour and a half. So. <laughs> but we make no apologies because I tell you what, that is a big subject. Yeah, and it could have been longer. It could have been a day, like you say. We do this in a workshop and uh, understanding the science with some actual structure. Yeah, yeah. Instead of just riffing, banging but, on. But um, okay, summary for those people that just want to fast forward to an hour the and a half in. Uh, understanding awareness of what chest voice actually means is a great start. So uh, this 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 uh, this acceptance of it's this aggressive, compressed thing that I use in the low part of my voice isn't always the best way to go. So understanding the anatomical definition of what chest voice is is a brilliant way to start, and that's what we discussed uh, the the balance between uh, the, the balance of vocal cord level and also the balance between harmonics formants and the relationship between the chords and the vocal tract. That's where we start. Just get aware of that. Don't need to know it. Be awareness of that is great because then we can move on to the tools which were... The tools were straw phonation. Oh, actually, actually we, we began with uh, extreme sounds like a dumb or twangy to try and um, get one out of chest voice. Experience a new feeling. Yeah, experience a new feeling. Get out of one's habits into the top to see if we can build that up and then we are going into obviously trying to encourage the flip to try and not strain into the middle and let go of chest voice as soon as possible uh letting tension tension transfer out of that muscle and it not being dominant and screwing the process up uh then we were looking at straw phonation as a way of with a fairly forte approach to bring in to play all of the layers of the vocal cord so that your voice will feel like one voice that you're not having to manage tension in in either layer but actually the vocal cord will stretch and unstretch from top to bottom consonants can help you to develop that further when the, when the straw is not in your mouth because you can't live with a straw in your mouth and you can use consonants to constantly reinforce that correct muscle tension in the vocal cords and to keep the larynx from getting stressed out as well. Even if it's in a lighter place that you're not really comfortable with or don't want to sing with at that moment in time. Exactly. 
uh, and then we're looking at uh, shorter scales and much wider, more intense vowels like ah, uh, to go into the upper voice to see if you can, with all that effort to allow yourself to transition and not drag your chest up, to see if all of that training and that um, tension management you, you're doing will actually handle some extra intensity, some extra muscle cord action, and whether that will allow you to get to the high pitches and, uh, and bring in some more tone and some more TA contraction. Just the right amount though, not too much. And that, those exercises are great for that to, to work on this particular subject. And I think that was it for the uh, tools. Sweet. And that's it. That's it. There's chest voice. There's singing in the low notes and in the high notes. I mean, we'd love to hear if, obviously, lots of you are going to be like, what the bejesus are you talking about? I reckon about? we're going to have some turning off in this one. Uh, Halfway through. Yeah, I, yeah maybe. I, I can see it. Maybe. If you, well, they're not going to hear this, are they? Maybe we'll put it in the post, the Facebook post. If you switch off halfway through, let us know. If you know anyone that switched off halfway through, yeah. tell us. Get us an address. All right. All right? We're not happy about what that, are, are gonna we? Do with, what are you going to do when you know the address? Probably go and tell them off. <laughs> Point the finger. Yeah, I'm going to speak really loudly. All right. Okay, thanks, guys. Uh, like I said, uh, the show notes will be on uh, thenakedvocalist.com forward slash podcast forward slash 31, the number 31. Have an amazing couple of weeks, potential. Hopefully. See you soon. Bye-bye.